Amazing speaker, and I get to introduce this speaker. And let me just say, this woman has been married for almost 47 years to one incredible, handsome man. All right. <clears throat> I need to say that just in case she doesn't. Okay. She's a mother of two amazing daughters who gave us two great grand, uh, two sons-in-laws and seven uh, granddaughters and one grandson. So we have eight grandchildren. She worked for the state legislature for uh, 23 years, and she's worked for this church for almost 15 years. And for her to be here today is a miracle because I'm her boss. All right. She loves the Lord. Would you stand and give my wife a big hand as she comes to share the word this morning? I love you, babe. He is so cute, isn't he? Okay. I am glad to be here. You know, worship today was so refreshing. And as we get to see uh, Melissa and Sean and the worship team just lifting up the praises of God, I found myself thinking, that's a look into heaven. And you know what? You saw, this isn't a performance up here, folks. This is who they are who we are, what we do in our home. So you know what? If you're kind of uncomfortable watching this, you might want to ask yourself, do I need to just kind of kick it up to the next level when I'm spending time at home? Because we are a reflection when we come to church of what our week has been and what our home has been like throughout the week. So if you were a little uncomfortable with that, can I encourage practice at home? You know, just start dancing around. Put on your worship music and start dancing around. You know, shouting and whatever. And just lift up the name of the Lord. And then when you come here, it's going to feel natural. Just saying. Would you take a moment and open this service time, my sharing time with prayer. Lord, I want to just say thanks for this opportunity. And Lord, I want to agree with you today. That's what I'm here for, is just to declare your word and to agree with what you've already said. In Jesus' name, let ears be opened, let hearts be ready to receive. Amen. Amen. So I just want you to know that I feel like I need to quit agreeing to share on a Sunday morning because when I do, I always have a living example of what the topic is. And so much of the time for me, I end up going back to the, the whole subject of trusting God. And I don't know if I just find that in every place in the Bible or if that is just something that God wants us to know when I'm up here. It's certainly something he wants me to know. So we have now made it to John 14 as we've been going through the whole book of John. And there is so much in the book of John And there is so much in John 14, and I'm just going to point out just four points of that, but I'm going to encourage you to look through the 14th chapter of the book of John when you get home. If you have not been reading through it, start at the first chapter and start reading. Get caught up. If you have missed any of the messages, go back online and listen to them because every message has been powerful. And the word never returns void. The word is fabulous. The word is fabulous. If you don't get anything out of what I say today, you can hear the word of God and let it minister to you. 
So what I want us to do today is I want us to see Jesus for who he is, and I want us to recognize worry for what it is. And I hope that today you're going to leave with a few more tools in your tool belt that are gonna help you when you go through the unavoidable tribulations. Did you hear that? Unavoidable tribulations. And the next thing that I wanna say is they are promised to us. Unavoidable tribulations that are promised to us while we're living here on this earth. So here's my current living example. A few weeks ago, I looked at my water bill. I just, they pay online, and so sometimes they just pay. But I looked at that, and I thought, oh my goodness, why is my water bill so high? This is ridiculous. So I took it down to the city, and I, I said, hey, what's going on here? They pulled up my report, and they, he just went, whoa. Now, you never want to hear that. <laughs> it's kind of like going to the doctor's office, and, and you hear him go, oops. Yeah, okay. So he pulls it up, he looks at it, and I said, what is woe? He said, you have got a horribly high water usage spike every day. About 15,000 extra gallons are being used. And I said, huh? And so he says to me, this you should be seeing. And I said, so what do you think it is? He said, well, worst case scenario. Just to let you know, worst case scenario of this is you have a break in your water line between your main and your house. This did not make my heart happy because having a break in my water line, when we built our house 43 years ago, our neighbor generously let us tag into, tie into his water line. And so we're a distance from his house. So that means that if I have a water leak in my line, I gotta go from my water main way down the driveway all the way up through my gravel underneath my cement to the back of my house. He assured me that we would be able to find water. Just It should be pools of water. Walked my property, can't find any pools of water. I go back to the city, I said, I can't find anything. I don't have any idea what this is from. And uh, I said, what do you think? Do you think it might be the water meter? Hmm, unlikely. I said, but look at the spikes. They're every day at the same time. That's got to be your problem. <laughs> and uh, so, so he thinks about it. A couple of days later, he calls me back and says, you know what? I think you might be right. We're going to replace your meter. They don't replace meters. That was a God thing. I was so glad. So yes, we have finally discovered what the problem is. They're replacing the meter. Problem solved. Yay! Until a week ago. When he replaced the meter, and then he calls me and said, ooh. I said, no, not what I want to hear. And ooh, at the beginning of conversation. And he says to me, not the problem. You're still spiking. I said, I'm still spiking. Ah, it wasn't their problem. That meant I still was on the hook for it. We still needed to figure out what the source of the problem is. I needed to make a choice, fear or worry, my choice. So I had to decide if I was going to remain faithful to him or buckle under the pressure. Am I going to stress out? Eh, yeah, could be, maybe. But I'm not going to find hopelessness in the present situation. I'm going to find faith in the God who is with me all the time and knows the beginning to the end. And he already knows what my solution is. He already knows where I have to go. I just have to 
lean into that. There are a few things in the world that we, there are very few things in the world that we can trust, but there is one person and one place that we can go when the need arises. So, will you take a moment to make our Bible declaration with me today? This is my source. This is my hope. So every week when we make this Bible declaration, it is reminding us that this is where we go. So will you hold up your Bible, your electronics, whatever you have the word on, and let's make this declaration together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and powerful, and I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith that I can do all it says I can do, that I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all that it says that I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so that I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You, I've learned and I believe with all of my heart that I can trust the word. God is not arbitrary. He is not random and he is purposeful. What he said and he did in Genesis at the very beginning of creation still applies to us today. And it's going to apply to us to the end of the age. We may not always understand it, or we might not know how to make it practical yet. But he has a design in mind with everything that he does and says. Everything. When I'm reading passages of scripture that don't really seem to apply to me at the time, sometimes I read just kind of over them. I figure when God needs to reveal it, he will. And, and, but I'm reminded that they're not in the Bible just to take up space on a page. You know, I kind of read through the, the begots, you know, so-and-so begot, 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 and I think, eh, doesn't mean too much to me. Well, I'm sure it means something to the person whose name is in the Bible. You know, maybe it means something to somebody else and doesn't mean as much to you, but God is faithful and he will bring it off the page when you need to know it. According to Romans 15, four, says such things, the words that are written on the pages of the Bible were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures, they give us hope and they give us encouragement. So when I'm reading scripture, I like to personalize it. And here's one of the ways that I can do that. So your first fill-ins, S, what does it say to me? Is there a sin to avoid? Good questions to ask when you're reading the word. P, is there a promise to claim? E, is there an example to follow? C, is there a command to obey? So we take it from the word and we put it into application. What does God want me to do with what he's telling me today? Ask yourself the questions or you're just reading a book. So I'm encouraging it, that I'm encouraging you and I'm letting you know that the Bible isn't just a book with some good thoughts. It is a living document. It's a living document. There have been times in my life and I've been reading the word for 50 years. There are times in my life where I'm reading something and I think, I've read that before, but why haven't I ever read that before? Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. 
because it just leaps off the page because it's what God is saying to me today. It's alive. It's living. It is not just words on a, on a piece of paper. We, it helps us to know our creator. It helps us to know his character. And if we want to be molded into, wow, it's raining outside. <laughs> if we want to be molded into the character of Christ, we need to be able to know what his character is. We need to know what his ways are. And he wants to reveal those to us. He's never trying to hide himself. So let's get some encouragement. We're going to read through John 14, selected verses, but much of it you're going to hear today. So don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me so that you may be with me also. You know the way to the place where I'm going, Eh, but they didn't. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, if you know my character and my ways, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? We're a little hard-headed sometimes, aren't we? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Will do the works. My goodness, what a promise. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to my Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified. I am going to do what you ask so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And if you love me, keep my commandments. Another way of saying that, if you love me, it is going to be a joy to keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. What a promise. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Then he repeats the opening verse. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So John 14 is so full of so much encouragement. And I think it's probably because Jesus had just let them know that he was going away and they were not going to be going with him. They were going to be left. So a review. In previous chapters and weeks, I'm only going to cover a few of them. The disciples, and we've seen Jesus heal a man born blind in chapter 9. We've learned that we are like dumb sheep who need a good shepherd to take care of in chapter 10. We've seen his resurrection power displayed through the raising up of Lazarus. These are good things, aren't they? Chapter 11. Then in chapter 12, he lets us know that this world is not our final destination. And we shouldn't love this world and what it has to offer more than we love God. 
chapter 13 then says, it, looks, it shows us what it looks like to be a servant. Jimmy did such a good job of that, um, as well as a leader. And that's not always something that we are often shown. And then it goes on to tell his disciples, mm, he's going to be betrayed by one of them, by the way, and is on his way to the cross for crucifixion. Fun times. Their time with him is short-lived. And then chapter 13 ends with Jesus telling Peter, I know you think you're loyal, but in truth, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. Peter could not fathom that happening, but it did. And then last week, our special Mother's Day speaker, Shirley, gave such an amazingly fabulous word about it's all about the heart. If you weren't here and you haven't listened to it, you really need to listen to that. It's going to be one of those phrases that you're going to be able to use for the rest of your life. So after Jesus, after telling his disciples that he was going to the cross, leads in, in chapter 1, and in chapter 14, verse 1, with, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, and trust also in me. So your first fill-in for the points are, Jesus can be trusted. I'm going to key in on the word let here. Definition of let is allow or permit. And as a parent, I let my children do certain things. And I did not let them do other things. In other words, I either gave them permission or denied them access to what they wanted. So how does this apply here? Here is a truth. I can control what thoughts invade my mind. Second truth, but I can't, I, uh, no, I can't always control, the first one is, I can't control what thoughts invade my mind, but I can control what I do with those thoughts. Right, you know what, I can't control whether a bird flies over my head, but I can control whether that bird makes a nest in my hair. <laughs> Another name for Satan is Diablos, and Diablos is the word thought caster. And have you ever thought that, a f uh, uh, have you ever had a thought that comes into your mind and you go, where in the world did that come from? Yeah. Well, I can tell you that if it's not a healthy thought and it's not a God-honoring thought, it's not from him. Right, come on. Right. So what do we want to do? We want to control what comes into our minds with the word of truth. So we need to be aware of what enters our minds. You've all heard the phrase, garbage in, garbage out. So if we do not filter what we allow in, we are going to have a problem when we have things coming out. I've always seen the logic in this progression. You may have heard this before. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, you're going to reap a destiny. And it all starts with our thinking. As Shirley said last week, it's all about the heart, the mind, the will, and the emotions. And our heart is affected by our soul's response to what we see, we hear, and what we do. So that's why the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10.5 that we are to destroy sophisticated arguments, those things that might sound right, but they aren't, and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are to take every thought captive 
to the purpose and obedience of Christ. Okay? So what does that mean? To bring every thought <coughs> excuse me, into captivity. An easy answer to that is to ask yourself, do my thoughts line up with God's will, with his word, and with his ways? If they don't, we need to change our thinking because he's not going to change his. This is easier said than done. I totally get it. But it really is the only sane choice. Run it through the word. Does it, does it pass muster with what God has already said? If you've ever asked me for advice, <laughs> you'll know that often my question to you is, so what does the Bible say about this? Because really, you don't want to know what I think. Because my mind is as messed up as yours. You want to know what God thinks. Thinking unhealthy thoughts will not end up well for us, folks. Can I suggest that this is a challenge for you, that your mind is, is really messed up and you find yourself thinking a whole lot of stuff that just causes you to go crazy on a regular basis, that you begin to practice Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behavior of the world. What's the world doing? Probably not what we want to be doing. But let God transform you into a new person by changing, changing the way you think. Changing from the world's way to God's way. Because you know what we get out of that? Then we're going to learn to know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When we move down to verse 6, we see that that Jesus also goes before us. He said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father through me. What was he saying when he told them, I am the way? He didn't say a way. He told them that he was the way. Very specific. In the mind, I say very narrow-minded. Very narrow-minded. Has anyone ever said to you, I just can't believe that a loving God would say there's only one way? But he did. He said there is one way. Another way of saying it is he's the only way that we are ever going to spend eternity with God the Father. You cannot do, get there without believing this. Then, as now, there were many gods and false religions that the people looked to for help. What Jesus was saying was that contrary to what was believed in the early church days and what is currently thought today, mind you, all the other gods and religions are going to end in nothing. And Jesus was inviting any and all who wanted to enter into a relationship with him to come, to give up trying to work their way to heaven and realize that good works come out of love. Not a demand to measure up. He also told us that I am the truth. Is this a softer way of saying everything that doesn't agree with me is a lie? Ouch. Because a partial truth is not the truth. Our culture today is promoting what is being called progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity adds to God's word or takes away as it feels good. We'll accept that. We'll reject that. All the while expecting God to bless our actions and us 
and blaming him if things don't turn out the way we wanted our lives to. It's all God's fault. While embracing the I am the way and I am the truth might feel narrow-minded, it doesn't change the truth. I used to feel bad about telling people there's only one way. But wouldn't you rather hear the truth, even if it's hard, than hear a lie that's going to completely lead you astray? God gave us 10 commandments, but the Old Testament religious leaders added 700 additional laws to them. (laughs) Present day, we continue to add new laws. Every year, our legislature passes 300 to 500 new bills telling us how we should live. What would it look like if we just focused on the two most important commandments, love God and love people? The first four commandments focus on loving God. The next six commandments focus on loving people. And they aren't suggestions. He didn't say, if you like this, go for it. Yesterday, so here's, here's, yesterday I was shoveling some junk at the house. Thank you, Shaughnessy and Seth, for helping me. That was awesome. They showed up for a, for, to meet with Pastor Doug and, and um, picked up the wheelbarrow on the shovel and helped me out a little bit. And my neighbor, who um, happens to be a Seventh-day Adventist, practices Sabbath on Saturday, and she comes from walking, from her, walking her dog, and she is the hardest worker I know. You think I'm a hard worker? Rose totally beats me. And... Uh, and she said, yeah, I'm not working today. And I said, oh, that's right. That's your Sabbath. You know what? I'm not so great at that one. That's one of the Ten Commandments I probably need to work a little bit harder at, is that keep the Sabbath for it is a holy day. Anyway, that was a little aside. Um, his laws are based on truth with the end resulting in loving him and loving others. So what he gave us was so that we would know how to love him and love others. And if what we do and we think doesn't fall into either loving God or loving others, can I suggest that we need to change what we're doing and how we're thinking? Lastly, with this verse, Jesus declared he is the life. Jesus had told his disciples in chapter 10 a few days before that the thief, and mind you, the thief is the one who hates us with as much passion as Jesus loves us. He came to steal and kill, kill, kill us to steal our life and destroy our destiny. Jesus came to give us life, his life. And they only realized what he meant after he had died and gone to heaven and continued his good work. He lived his life on purpose. He lived his life intentionally, and he's calling us to do the same. Whoever has the son of, whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have the son does not have life. 1 John 5, 12 tells us. So has means possesses. He wants us to know that if we will do things his way, he will lead us in the way. He will show us the truth, and he will, and we will experience a life of purpose and destiny. You've been asking me to show you the Father, Jesus said. That path is through me. And he wants to use us, not just save us from hell. Ooh, almost done. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and greater works. While we're here on this earth, he has anointed us to do greater works because there's more of us than him. So our third point says Jesus is with us and in us. 
He's going to give us another advocate to help, and he will be with us forever, the spirit of truth. And you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, and he is a gift to us. He is with us, but he's also in us. The next few verses, we're told that the Holy Spirit will teach us all the things that we need to know, and he's going to bring to our memory what he said to us. Remember when I said what's in us will come out of us? So scripture in, scripture out. I've had people ask me why it's important to read the Bible regularly. So I ask you, why do you eat regularly? Because your body needs food for life. And as natural food is to the body, so the Bible is to our soul. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We have the privilege of having the word of God that will feed us every day. Even as the disciples had time to spend with Jesus, so do we. My last thought is Jesus has got what we need. In verse 27, he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I love that God knows everything about me and has made provision for every need that I have. Nobody on this earth will do that for me, but he does. And we need to remember that peace is the calm in the midst of the chaos. Peace comes through knowing that Jesus has gone before us. Peace comes in the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And peace comes through understanding that greater is he in us than he who is in the world. There are so many things in this world that can cause us to lose our peace. One of my examples of this was, does your peace tank, I mean, do you, does your peace tank ever fail you? Mine does. And one of the things that I did one time was lose my children. Anybody here lost their children? Okay. Danette just did. She just told me a story of that. <coughs> my kids were nine and seven, and um, I, Doug and I had a business downtown, and we um, separated, we were going to head out of town, and, and we split at the store, and I went one way to go do some errands, and Doug went home, and uh, so I went my way, and I did my thing, and I came into the house about an hour later, and I said, ready to go, and he said, awesome, where are the kids? And I just looked at him and smiled, and I said, where are the kids? You have the kids. And he said, no, you had the kids. <laughs> I said, no, I didn't, you had the kids, they went with you. He said, no, honey, the kids went with you. And I just stood there, and I turned around, and I started to walk out the door, and he says, where are you going? And I said, to find our children. <laughs> I have no idea what I've done with our kids. Are you sure you didn't have the kids? <laughs> and he said, no, honey, I didn't have the kids. <clears throat> I said, okay. So by this time, I mean, I'm panicking. I'm thinking, where did I leave my children? Oh, my goodness. And he said, where did you stop? And I said, I only went to the store, and then I came home. That's all I did. And he said, oh, okay. So we go down to where I went to the store, and I started to walk into the building and stopped, turned around. He said, where are you going? I said, kids were not with me. They did not get out of the car. Are you sure the kids were not with you? No, honey, the kids were not with me. And I'm now, I start crying. I'm going to have to tell the police that I've lost our children. I have no <laughs> idea what I did with them. So we start driving back to our business because I'm sure that the kids are standing outside waiting for me. And I'm looking everywhere trying to find my children walking on the street. 
And as we're passing the library, I look and I went, oh my goodness, the library. I dropped the kids off at the library. I dropped, okay, okay. So he stops the car and he gets out and goes in and says, mom's a little stressed right now in the car. She thought she lost you. It's okay, be nice when you get into the car. <coughs> so they get into the car and just smile and say, hi, mom. And I'm just bawling with relief by now. That happened because I had overcrowded my mind. I had too many things that I was thinking about and I just couldn't handle one more thing. What causes us to lose our peace? Many things. One of the things, don't fill your schedule so much you can't even think clearly. Contrast this to when I was a young girl, we used to take road trips across the United States. We would occasionally find ourselves in storms or on mountain passes that weren't meant for the bus we were driving. But you know that? My dad was driving, so I knew everything was going to be okay. Who's driving in your life? Can we trust that everything is going to be okay? Too often we think we need one thing, but God knows what we need. Everything outside of him is temporal satisfaction. He knows that our most pressing need is to know him so we can trust him, so we can experience the peace that he promised to us. So we process life either by blaming others or shutting down. But a better way to do that is to be looking into the word and find out what it says. Because he promises to us in Joshua 1, for I will be with you I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong, be courageous, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions given to you and do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. If we practice this, then we will be successful in everything that we do. We're told to study the book of instruction continually, meditate on it, don't just read it day and night, so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So let me finish my story that I opened up with. What did I do when I discovered the water problem? I did pray. I asked God for wisdom and began to eliminate options because that's what happens in my mind. Okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, blah, blah, blah. I also had some major concerns. What if the worst case scenario did happen? I had to scope the 50 yards of pipe from the box, box to the back of my house, tearing up the driveway, breaking up the concrete, and destroying our stamped concrete walkway. I would be sad, and we would be much poorer. And mind you, the problem has not yet been completely identified, so I still don't know what the end is gonna be. I'm still having spikes in the usage. Makes me very sad. This, though, is when I'm gonna remember the faithfulness of my Heavenly Father. This is gonna be when I'm going to remember the things that I've gone through in the past that he's brought me through already. And definitely, I don't always get this right. <laughs> and yes, I have lots of scars. But the scars remind me of his healing and the pain and the uncertainty of everyday life situations. But each new challenge gives me more to share, <laughs> lucky you, as my own example of God's faithfulness. Remember, there's no testimony without a test, and there's no message without a mess. 
but we don't have to live with a troubled heart because one, Jesus can be trusted always. Two, Jesus goes before us preparing the way. Three, Jesus is with us and in us now and forever. And four, Jesus has got what we need. He is our provider. This is truth. He said it, not me. And we're told that God doesn't lie. He can't lie. So do you ever feel like you're all alone? According to the Bible, the answer to that is no. God will never leave us by ourselves. Is there anything that he can't do? According to the Bible, the answer to that is no. And because he's in us, we can do all things through him. Is there anything he doesn't already see and know? According to the Bible, the answer to that is no. Proverbs 15.3 tells us that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. And in Hebrews 4.13, we read that nothing is hidden from his sight. He always has the end in mind. But it's still our choice. Worry or fear. What will you choose? We always have a choice to trust him. The best choice I ever made was asking Jesus to come into my life, to be my personal savior, to forgive me of all my past sins, choices, and mistakes. Since that day, I have to make daily choices to trust him. I have to make daily choices to surrender to him and to allow him to be the Lord of my life. He's never failed me, and he's never going to fail you. If you're hearing this message today, either online or here in person, and realize that you have never asked Jesus to come into your heart and realize, as I did 50 years ago, that you need him in your life, I'm going to ask you to respond by lifting your hand when I get to the count of three. So one, if God is tugging on your heart, two, and you'd like to spend the rest of your life getting to know your Heavenly Father, three, then today is your day. Would you do me a favor and lift your hand as an act of surrender to him? Is there anybody here who recognizes I need Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior? We're going to believe that the Lord is moving on hearts. So let's all pray this together as we do every week. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus so that I could be saved from myself. Thank you for your Holy Spirit sent to live inside of me and for forgiving me of all my sins, past, present, and future. Come into my life today and help me to live every day going forward as a child of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? For those of you who made that decision to come to know Jesus Christ today as your personal Lord and Savior, either online or here in the house, I just want to let you know that you have made the best decision that you will ever make, the beginning of a new life for you. And this morning, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come on up. If you've asked Jesus to come into your heart for the first time, we have a Bible that we'd like to get to you, and we want to just... 
invite you to come on up and get prayer. If there's anybody else here who today you were hearing this and you realize that there are things that are causing you angst in your heart. You might be dealing with your own rendition of my water issue. Or there may be some who are needing to make a decision and you don't know what that decision needs to be. God does. And he wants to prepare the way for you. You might be hearing this message today and you feel all alone. You need assurance that you're not. Or you might be having a financial, physical, spiritual, or emotional need that the Lord wants to help you to walk through. Whatever your need, Jesus is the need meter. So as we sing this last song, can I encourage you to come on up and just receive prayer from these people who are up here? And then we'll just close the service after that.